0: Well, alongside all of the, um, the joys of the uh, year gone, you probably also face stuff that stretched you at best, probably some stuff that you wish had never happened. Okay, if you look back, what is, what's the new year going to bring? Okay, if that's the year gone, what are you going to face in 2023? And the truth is you don't know, do you? Okay, but you do know something. You can prepare yourself for it. Okay, that much we do know. Listen to what Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. And one way to define what it means to live wisely is to live life with skill, to face what life throws at you and handle it skillfully, handle it with faith, handle it with dignity, handle it with poise. And so this morning, I want us to do that. I want us to walk with the wise. I want us to take a look at the wise men arriving in Jerusalem. And I want us to see how they handled the challenges that they faced, how they handled the joys that they faced. And see what we can learn from them to help us do the same for the challenges and joys to come. That we can handle challenges and joys with skill. Okay, to do that, I want us to consider four questions as you go into 2023, first one, how will culture shape you? Okay, how is culture going to shape you in the year to come? Look at verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And from the east means almost certainly they are coming from Persia. Because to describe them, Matthew uses this this term, magi. It's a technical term for pagan scholars, for the pagan scholars who were the academics, they were the philosophers, they were the scientists, the astronomers of their day. They were men who believed that your life, my life, would have been shaped by the natural order and, particularly, the movement of the stars. And one of their centers was ancient Babylon. And so the Magi who made the journey to Jerusalem, they would have been men immersed in a pagan culture. In fact, the Magi not just these ones, but Magi generally, generally, they were the, they were the guardians of their pagan cultures. They were responsible for the formation of the the training, the education of the ruling elite. And yet, when these magi, when they saw something in the stars that told them a king of the Jews had been born and that they should go and worship him, that he should have their allegiance, something that is a direct challenge to their prevailing culture, they were willing to swim against that prevailing pagan culture. They are immersed in a worldview that trained them to think that their kings were the gods, that their kings were the representatives of the gods. But when the evidence said, head west that is where you will find the king you should worship. They went. When evidence came to them, when they they were told, you've got to find the truth outside of your culture, they were willing to go. Now, just compare that to Herod. Because while he was not Jewish, he was Idumean, He had been born and raised, immersed in a Jewish culture, with unlimited access to the Bible. And yet, when he wants to know where the Messiah will be born, he has to ask someone. Now, sure, he knows who to ask, but he doesn't know where to look for himself. He knows who to ask, But he has had exactly the same access to the Bible as the people that he asks, the priests and the scribes. But he has not made use of that privilege. Okay, so get that. The Magi, the foreigners, the pagans, they are open to be drawn out of their pagan culture while Herod has been closed to the blessings of his Jewish culture. Okay, what has that got to do with you? Well, I think it's this. In the year ahead, whether we realize it or not, we are all going to be shaped and molded and formed by the culture that we live in. Whether that is through the media that you consume, or the films that you watch, or the people that you mix with. And the problem is that our prevailing culture is increasingly post-Christian. In fact, in many ways, if you think about it, it is becoming increasingly like the pagan culture of the Magi. So if you want to respond to the joys and the challenges of the year ahead that you are going to face and respond to them in ways that are counter-cultural, that are more shaped by God and his word than the prevailing culture then just like these magi, you are going to to need, to need to be open to the fact that our prevailing culture may have got things wrong. That like the magi discovered, truth and joy and deep satisfaction may lie westward, may lie outside of our culture rather than inside it that whether it is to do with the way you view sexuality and sexual identity, whether it's the way you handle your money or career or ambition or power or whatever, the way you measure success, the ideas that this culture gives its allegiance to, they may be just as misplaced and just as wrong as a culture that the magi are coming out of. Okay, if we can learn from them, we can also learn from Herod. You see, like him, you have a rich alternative culture to draw from. A culture that is embedded in church history and Christian community and Christian literature and above all God's word. But the danger is, is that like Herod, will you leave mining that culture to other people? Will you do it yourself, or will you just leave that to others? So in the year to come, I want you to consider which culture is going to form you most. But there's a second question that the Magi confront us with. In 2023, what will you seek after? Now, it's clear what the Magi were seeking after. They come to Jerusalem saying, verse 2, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Okay, so whatever they have seen, and we can debate that, it has told them that the King of the Jews has been born and that he is God come in the flesh, that he is worthy of their worship. That's what they're seeking, That's what they're seeking. And they are prepared to travel over hundreds of miles of dangerous desert to find it. What's Herod seeking? On the surface, you could say, you'd be forgiven for saying, he's seeking exactly the same thing. Because now he too wants to find Jesus, doesn't he? He too is looking for Jesus just for different reasons. And yet, is it really Jesus that he's seeking? he's seeking Jesus because he's seeking for something else under that isn't he sure he wants to find Jesus but the only reason he wants to find him is so that he can get what he is really after and that's power it's unrivaled power and it's that desire for power that explains what Matthew says in verse three When Herod the king heard this, heard that the Magi had arrived in Jerusalem seeking a newborn king, he was troubled. Herod's troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. You see, whenever the thing that you most want, the thing that you're really looking for, the thing that you are looking for, that your life and your desires are centered on, the thing you look to for meaning or for security, or for prestige, or for knowing that you have made it in life, whenever that thing is threatened, you're going to be troubled. Just like Herod was troubled. You're going to be anxious. If it's being undermined, you're going to be fearful. And in response, you may become a bit aggressive. Okay, but it's not just Herod who's troubled, is it? You see, if the Magi were prepared to travel hundreds of miles across desert to find what they were seeking, history tells us that Herod was prepared to have his wife and sons murdered to get what he was seeking, the elimination of all rivals. So if any newborn king was as good as dead in the eyes of Herod, so was anyone else who was willing to side with that potential new king. And that is why when Herod is troubled, all Jerusalem is troubled. Okay, but it's also Herod's addiction to power that explains why he handles the Magi the way he does. Verse seven, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly because knowledge is power. So he needs to control the flow of information, doesn't he? Herod needs to control the narrative. He needs to stop news leaking out. Okay, but if that is what the Magi are seeking, if they're seeking Christ and Herod is seeking power, what are the priests and the scribes seeking? Because if you think about it, they now have the same information as the Magi and Herod. And they've got the Bible to help them fill in the gaps but what do they do with that knowledge what do they do you see if you think about it the coming of the messiah was the thing that supposedly every jew was looking for every jew is seeking for the coming of the messiah but do they join the magi in seeking him they don't do they Instead, they're like someone who gets the answer to Wordle right and then just gets on with their day. Okay, they know the answer, they've they've got it right, but then they just carry on with their day. They have what the Magi lacked, the answer, but they lacked what the Magi have, which is desire. And so their Bible knowledge had zero impact on their lives. Why their indifference... Why don't they just go back to their day job? Are they afraid of Herod? Possibly, probably, justifiably one might say. But if so, what does that tell them that they are seeking? It's that they want to be safe. In a sense, they're also looking for what Herod is looking for. They don't want to be threatened. Okay, except they're seeking it in a nice way. Middle class way, a nice non violent comfortable life kind of way. Their desire is a nice middle class version of Herod's desire not to be threatened, to carry on living peaceful, well to do, respectable lives, untroubled by crazy kings or potentially crazy messiahs and their followers. Okay, so if that's what the Magi and Herod and the priests are seeking for, what's it going to be for you in 2023? What are you going to set your heart to seek for in the year to come? Like the priests, it could be for comfort, couldn't it? It could be that you just want to pursue a comfortable life, quiet, undisturbed, to hold God at arm's length, to hold the hard stuff of relationships, maybe even the hard stuff of church life at arm's length? If you do, I can almost guarantee you, like these religious leaders, you will miss out on what God is up to in Christ. Or, like Herod, you could seek just to maintain control, to be the king, to be your own king, to decide for yourself the direction of your life and to pursue that kind of power, the power over your own life. The problem is, I think, that is a form of self-harm. And I'll tell you why. Because if you want control and power over your own life, you will avoid all those things that tie you down, that, that constrain your freedom, that limit your freedom. And if you think about it, all the good things in life inevitably narrow you down. Because all the really good things in life require commitment. But instead, you will tend to see others who make claims upon you as threats to your freedom. Or you'll be suspicious of their motives or anxious about their abilities. Are they getting up the ladder above you? And that will damage your relationships. Because you'll find yourself trying to control other people. Or you'll find find yourself using them or putting them down. And that will destroy your relationships because it will, number one, it destroys the way you see them. But it will also destroy the way they see you. They will become increasingly anxious around you as Jerusalem was troubled by Herod. But it will also, it won't just damage your relationship with others, it will damage your relationship with God. God. You see, Herod's desire for power led him to try and kill Jesus. You won't do that. You can't do that. But if you systematically resist Jesus's wisdom in your life or his authority over your life because you want to be king, it will slowly kill your relationship with him. The Magi give us a much better model, don't they? They give us a great model to follow because they don't just seek Christ, they find him. And look what comes with their finding him. Verse nine, they saw the star came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, when they knew that their seeking had come to an end, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. So the priests miss out. But the magi are caught up in all that God is doing. Herod is troubled. He's constantly looking over his shoulder. He's constantly fearful about the next threat that's coming. The magi are joyful, Look again at Micah's prophecy because it tells us why. The priests tell Herod that God's ruler will come from Bethlehem. And verse six, he will shepherd my people Israel. Herod is willing to murder to achieve power. Jesus will use his power to shepherd, not slaughter, to care for, not kill the flock. And when you know that, when you know that Christ is your shepherd watching over you, guiding you, protecting you, you'll experience joy, not fear. You won't see other people as threats or those who constrain your freedom. You'll be able to go out to them because you know that Christ is your shepherd. He's watching over you. He's got your back covered. And you won't need to fight to defend your position. Instead, you can humble yourself and make yourself vulnerable to God and to others because you know that Christ is protecting you. And it's that humility that is the soil out of which rich relationships grow, the kind of relationships that good life is really made of. Okay, so in 2023... I want to encourage you, seek Christ, not comfort. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The priests sought first all of those things. They sought the stuff that makes life comfortable. That's what they wanted. Jesus says, don't do that. Instead, seek God first, and everything else will fall into place. Okay, so seek Christ, not comfort. But secondly, seek Christ, not control. Preaching in Athens, Paul said that God has so arranged our lives that we should seek God and perhaps feel our way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. In other words, in the year to come, God is there to be sought and found by you. And as the writer to the Hebrews says, God rewards those who seek Him. And it won't be just you who benefits. Seek to put yourself at the centre of everything, and those around you inevitably suffer. But seek Christ at the centre of everything, and you will be a blessing not a curse to others. Okay, but as you do that, third question, what will guide you? Okay, how is culture going to shape you? What are you going to seek after? And what will guide you as you do that? Now, if you, if you had asked the magi what had guided them to Christ, what would they have said? Okay, they would almost certainly have said the star, wouldn't they? Okay, if you'd given them a bit more time, they might have explained how years of studying the stars, how years of studying the the natural world and scientific technique had helped them interpret what it was that they were looking at. Give them still more time, and they might have referred back to Balaam. He was a pagan prophet, and who was almost certainly a, a Magi, a member of the Magi himself, who right back at the formation of the of the um, forming of Israel as a nation at the exodus from Egypt, Balaam was hired by Israel's enemies to curse Israel. But in one of his prophecies, Balaam sees something. He sees someone in the far off, distant, blurry future. Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him but not near. A star should come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And maybe the Magi would have told you, if you'd given them time, when they saw the star, how they interpreted it through the lens of Balaam. And yet, how far had that got them? How far had uh, the star? How far had their knowledge of the stars, or their scientific reasoning, or or their interpreting of Balaam's words? How far had that got them? It had got them to Jerusalem, hadn't it? But it hadn't got them to Bethlehem. They had assumed, understandably, that if a king of the Jews has been born, they will find him in Jerusalem. But that this king might be found among the least, not the greatest. That he would be born into a manger, not a palace. That he would come in weakness and not in power. That had probably never crossed their minds. Why would it? It's totally illogical. What kind of a God worthy of our worship would come amongst the dirt and the poor? So all of their learning. All of their learning and even the star had only got them so far. To get them to Bethlehem, they needed the words of Micah the prophet. They needed God to speak to them through his word. And you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come a ruler. I mean, even as they took the road south from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and saw the star resting over the place where the child was, Matthew 2 verse 9, that star would also have aligned with any number of towns further south from Bethlehem. So it was knowing what God said in the scriptures, in the Bible, that helped them interpret the sign properly. It was knowing this that led them to Christ and to true joy but they had to be open to it didn't they they had to be open to God's word because Herod got exactly the same word as did the priests he also heard what Micah had to say but he wasn't open to its implications at least not in a good way instead what was guiding Herod was his own self-interest he heard God's word he even used it for his own purposes, but he wasn't receptive to, it. He wasn't, going to allow it. he wasn't going to allow it to change him and transform him. Okay, so my question for you is this year, what's going to guide you? What's going to guide you in 2023? What will be your magnetic north? What's going to be the word into your heart? What's going to to help you rightly interpret the stuff that's going to come into your life? Okay, I'll give you two things. Firstly, it should be your conscience, or maybe three things. Firstly, it should be your conscience. The Magi were steeped in a pagan culture, yet when their inner voice pricked them to investigate... They didn't squash it. Now, of course, our, our inner voices, our consciences are far from perfect guides. But at a really basic level, if this year you find your conscience warning you either to do something or not to do something, don't ignore it. Don't squash your conscience. Don't harden it. Paul wrote to Timothy, hold on to faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Now maybe you know that your conscience has been, you, maybe you've squashed it. Okay, maybe you're coming out of a period when you've turned away from God or you know that the, that the world out there has shaped your conscience in a way that is not helpful. If If that is the case for you, be willing to ask others, go to somebody else's conscience you know at Michael and Anna's um, wedding just before Christmas Michael and Anna are a young couple in in the church they got married just before Christmas and Michael's from New Zealand and so a whole load of his friends uh, couldn't come to the wedding and those who couldn't come put together a really touching video for him just saying what he meant to them and one of the guys in that video, who had clearly had a number of difficult life uh, issues to deal with in the past, he said, I came to look to Michael as my conscience, as my moral compass. If he said I shouldn't do something, I knew I shouldn't. Okay, we, all know, we all need friends like that, don't we? When our conscience has been hardened... We need people who will say, who we go to, ask their advice and who are willing to say you shouldn't do that. Don't go down that road. Learn from my mistakes or learn from my wisdom. Don't, don't do that. So number one, go to your own conscience in the year ahead. Number two, listen to other people's advice. Okay, But as someone has said, our conscience is like a skylight that lets in the light. So your conscience is only going to be as good as the light that it lets in. Okay, so like the Magi, let God's word be the ultimate light that guides you. You see, as reliable as your inner voice is, more than anything, you need a voice from outside of you. We all do. Because we're all being shaped by this culture You need a voice that is willing to challenge you while encouraging you. You need a voice that speaks a different word from the prevailing culture around us, from the noise of the culture, whether that's on on the left or the right, a voice that guides you to Christ and the joy that you will find in him. And there's only one thing that can be that voice. It is God's word through his Holy Spirit. So whether you pick a Bible reading plan or whether you started with one book of the Bible and slowly read through it before moving on to the next, take a cleaning cloth to the skylight and let 2023 be the year when the light of God's word shines into your heart and guides you. Okay, but finally, as you do that, one last question. Who or what will you worship and serve? How is culture going to shape you? What are you going to seek after? What's going to guide you? And who or what are you going to worship and serve? Okay, look at verse 11. The Magi saw Jesus and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Herod's reaction is very different, isn't it? didn't need to be, but it was very different. His reaction was to slaughter all the boys in Bethlehem who might possibly be Jesus. It did not need to be like that. Herod was as able and gifted a man, incredibly gifted man. He was as able and as gifted as the Magi were. He could have gone down in history as Herod the power-hungry or Herod the bloodthirsty. But he goes down in history as Herod the great. And the reason he does is because of the incredible building projects that he undertook from the Jerusalem temple to palaces to fortresses to entire cities And if he was infamous for his brutality and cruelty, and Caesar Augustus famously said of him, I would rather be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. Okay, if he's infamous for his brutality, he was also famous for his organizational and architectural skills. What purpose had he put those gifts to? At what altar or at whose feet had he laid those gifts? What glory had Herod served? The Magi take their best and they lay it before Jesus and they make him the object of their adoration. But Herod has made his pride, his ambition, his reputation, his success, his power, the thing that he adored. That's what he's going to use his gift to serve. The object of Herod's worship, the thing that he gloried in, was himself. And that temptation to worship and serve the creature, not the creator, is one that we're all going to face this year you're going to face the temptation to put yourself in the place of the one you lay your gifts before or something else. And each temptation that you face will boil down to whose glory am I going to live for? What am I going to give my life for? Whose glory am I going to serve? Why should you make it Christ's? Why should you make it Christ's glory? And the answer is that while Herod exalted himself, Jesus humbled himself. While Herod used, Jesus served. While Herod sought to kill, Jesus seeks to save. While Herod took life, Jesus gave his life because he's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And the degree to which you understand Christ's sacrificial love for you at the cross is the degree to which you will love and adore and serve him. But as you do, you're going to face another temptation, not just to serve yourself. It is the temptation just to dismiss the whole thing You see, we live, you know, our culture may be increasingly pagan. It is increasingly disenchanted and highly materialistic. And sometimes all that seems to matter is the external, external image, external beauty, the physical. Christianity calls you to something profoundly supernatural, something that you can't see or touch. So as we finish... I want you to look at how the Magi quit the stage. Herod has asked them to report back once they found Jesus. But verse 12, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I don't know. I suspect that up until now, They had no idea that Christ the King has been born into a war zone where he is target number one. Up until now, they haven't realized that they are caught up in a battle they didn't even know was going on. So they could. Have just dismissed the whole thing, couldn't they? They could have just dismissed. They could have dismissed the dream, like Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. They could have put the dream down to indigestion, you know, an undigested bit of beef. You know, come on, you know, Melchior. We've spent we've spent too many weeks on the back of a camel sniffing frankincense and myrrh. You're just you're just hallucinating. They could have gone with just plain old human reason with the world they can see and touch. I mean, Casper, come on. Herod seemed a perfectly reasonable chap to me. He seemed delightful. But they didn't, did they? They didn't dismiss the supernatural. They didn't dismiss the dream. Our disenchanted materialistic culture will try to squeeze the supernatural out of you in the year to come it'll try and numb you to spiritual realities it will try and have you live and serve all of these lesser glories and kill your adoration of christ i want to say to you don't let it don't let it do that instead be aware of the battle that you are in and as paul writes seek the things that are above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth okay so to finish to sum up in 2023 make use of the riches that are yours in christian culture make this year the year that you mine those riches Secondly, seek Christ and find him and find the joy that comes with him. Thirdly, be guided by his word. And fourthly, worship and serve him because he's the one who sought and saved you. Let's pray.